0: You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Tasmania right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host Jason Cook and today we've got David Maxwell joining us all the way from Launceston. Welcome David. Hi Jason,
1: how are you today?
0: I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. David, uh, you'll be continuing your series today, Reflecting Jesus. And uh, But before we do, we uh, always get a little story from you. And uh, mm. it's really good to hear your different stories that you've shared with us over the, over the programs that you've presented. What's uh, your story today?
1: Mm. Well, covering the topics of uh, blessings in my Christian walk, um, one of the the biggest blessings. Remember, last week I talked about my um, the, the day. Well, when I chose to follow Jesus and how I how that how that came about, my baptism and that. It was interesting that I'd mentioned that baptism and conversion can sometimes happen at different times. Hmm. So I wanted to talk today about my conversion, not my baptism. Okay. For me, they happened some twenty plus years apart. So after my baptism, you know, I, I continued studying the Bible, I continued teaching people through the Bible, uh, I, I kept reading the Bible, I would read the Bible through about every every two or three years, right right through the Bible, or I'd listen to it on audio CD, and so I had all this head knowledge that I was sharing with people. Now, I'm not saying that was bad, that was a really important part of my Christian journey, but... The most important part and the biggest blessing, I think, for me in my Christian walk, one of the biggest blessings, I, I, sometimes hard to categorize which one's the biggest, but one of the biggest blessings was actually being converted. And it happened like this. I was uh, at college studying to be a pastor. And I had all these uh, reports uh, coming back to me from different areas, uh, my mum and from a number of other places, not all Adventists, some were non-Adventists, they said, oh, don't go to that uh, Avondale place, you know, you'll lose your faith. Mm. And I thought, oh, I, look, God's called me, I'm going. And, and I got there and I was pleasantly surprised, I really was. You know, I expected, you know, the college scene, kids all run around, you know, doing crazy things, having a great old time, but what I found especially in the theology department in many of the other departments as well but both the lecturers and the students uh, people with strong christian convictions Mm. really wanting a journey with god and a closer walk with god that's what i found when i went to avondale great place to be great place to study so um yeah unashamed plug there but, uh, but what I, what I found was I was at a, assigned to a particular church, and in that church they asked people to, uh, put their hand up and, uh, nominate, uh, if they would like to be part of a prayer group, a, a fasting and prayer group. And I said, oh yeah, I can do that. And they said, right, you have to pick a day of the week that you're going to fast and pray. So I said, I'll, I'll do Thursday. So, Week went through. I thought I was going to die. I'd never fasted before, you know, <laughs> uh, and you know, not eating one whole day. And I thought, oh, this is crazy. I'm going to die. And and by the end of the day, realised you don't die. Um, you know, it takes about thirty days, forty days to die from not eating. So one day is not going to kill you. And what I did find was it was a really spiritual experience. I drew closer to God. I was able to pray every time I felt hungry. The funniest part of it was. Um, went to church, you know, that was great. They uh, shared your experience. The following week went to church and they said, how did you go this week? And I said, what do you mean? And they said, "Uh, well, how did you go fasting on Thursday? And I said, no, that was last week. And I said, no, no, you nominated every Thursday. <laughs> right. I thought, oh, what have I done? Not just so, once. <laughs> that, that for the rest of that year, what I did was I thought, well, I can't sit with the other guys and you know, just not eat because that's just too hard. So uh, around college, they have something called a boys' walk and a girls' walk. The girls go one way, boys go another. So, you know, you're not – Round the back in the bush with the girls and the boys together. And I thought that was really good. So I went on the boys' walk and every Thursday at lunchtime I would have a prayer walk. And so I wouldn't have any lunch. That was uh, the fast I was having um, during the day and that was the hardest meal to miss. And I would walk around the college for lunch and I would pray as I walked. During this experience for that year... I experienced conversion where all that knowledge in my head moved from my head to my heart. And I actually felt the difference. I felt the change. I felt myself drawing closer to Christ and I felt him in my life. And I'd never had that before. And for me, that was a huge experience, a really huge experience, because now it wasn't just the The head knowledge knowing about God it was knowing him personally for myself
0: mm. that's uh that's really interesting how there's that uh baptism but mm. uh a conversion later i i've actually experienced similar things it wasn't twenty years apart but uh certainly i i experienced that true conversion um perhaps five or six years after my baptism it's that's,
1: that's yeah. interesting how that and happen. it's good you know, some people experience it at the same time of their baptism and yeah. that's great, but for me it was different. You know, I I found though I had a lot of knowledge about God, but mm. he allowed me to go through a few experiences during that time that actually showed me that I didn't have that heart knowledge and, and it was more than a head knowledge that you mm. need as a Christian. You know, it was on those fasting walks around college that I found him and, you know, at times I think it it actually helps... To not have it all together. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes we think, I don't have it all together. I don't know it. Well, that's good. Sometimes that's good because when you do get it, when you find that link, when you feel that experience, when not, not that it's only feeling, but when you know that connection with God and you have that experience, um, It helps that you know the difference now. You know the difference, and you're able to explain it to people. You know, it's not just what you know in your head. Mm. It's got to be what you feel in your heart, what you, you experience on a daily basis. So through that experience, you know, I've seen God has made me kinder. He's made me more considerate, more compassionate. I've seen the fruit of the Spirit coming out in my own life. Um, and experiencing that much closer walk with Him. I'm not perfect. I don't want anyone to think that. You know, I've got a long way to go still. I'm sure, but that conversion, that conversion, has been a major change in my life.
0: Mm. I'm wondering, uh, David, if uh, people who grow up in a Christian environment, in a church environment, and they you know, they're familiar with all the Bible texts and what have you, uh, I'm mm. wondering sometimes if, if that conversion is more often um, a separate event to the baptism in that case yeah. because you make a con- a, a, an intellectual decision to follow God yeah. but it's not until life uh, gives you that experience where you mm. realise you actually really need God Ooh. and yes, uh, yes. I think that's how it was for me. So. Yeah. Um, David, uh, we've got uh, our regular Tassie Encounter show number uh, where people can communicate with us. That's zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. And of course, we each day we have our free book offer, which we'll tell you about a little bit later. Um, we've also got a question that we'll be asking you, so we'd love to hear from you. But before we go on, there's a program happening in Hobart area uh, mm. this weekend that we wanted to let our Tasmanian listeners know about. And if you're on the mainland, uh, unless you're going to be visiting Hobart, this probably doesn't apply to you, but uh, Mm. if you are visiting Hobart, then you're welcome to join us. Mm. Uh, It's called the Couples Enrichment Program. It's on Mm. Sunday the 20th of March, held at Hilliard Christian School. Um, And Pastor Neil Thompson will be sharing various sessions. Do you want to just give us a quick rundown on what's going to be happening there?
1: Yes, yes. So, uh, Pastor Neil Thompson, really wonderful speaker. He's the pastor to the pastors in northern New South Wales. Uh, and so, you know, if you, if you know that how, how good a pastoral visit has been for yourself, well, he's the, the pastor for the pastors. <laughs> and, and he's got three sessions, signs of trouble in a relationship. Really important that you recognize those signs. That's in session one. Session two is how to build love and connection. And session three is de-escalating conflict and Mm. three very, very important uh, sessions for couple enrichment. So if you want to come along, please, please get in touch with, is it the show number, Jason?
0: Yeah, so you can text in this code, enrich, E-N-R-I-C-H and TAS, T-A-S, no spaces, Enrich Taz, text that into our show number zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one, and we'll send you back a text with all of the details about that program. And there is a, a number that you'll need to ring to book for that. Mm. So that's uh, running from eleven a.m. to four p.m. on this Sunday. So don't miss free out on free sessions.
1: Free sessions.
0: And and it's not uh, it's not just for couples who might be on the brink of uh, splitting up, is it?
1: Not at all. No, no. Anything to enrich your relationship. If you want to strong stronger relationship together yeah you must come along it's fantastic
0: awesome well we encourage you to come along to that now of course remember uh, if you want to catch up on our past episodes you can do that on our faith fm app or the faith fm website uh, that's the faithfm.com.au website or you can get the app from the app store what's our listener question we want to uh, ask our listeners today david
1: yeah, good listener question. Have you ever experienced the kind of goodness where someone was extraordinarily generous to you?
0: Okay. We want to hear from you today. Text us in on 488 Let us know when somebody's been extraordinarily generous to you. This is Hope of the Broken World by Sila
2: In the beginning into the darkness, the Spirit's moving Upon the waters, you spoke the words Let there be light Out of the chaos came the promise The universe rose and applauded When you commanded the newborn sun to rise You are the day, spring you are the morning star. Creation splendor speaks of who you are. You are salvation. You are the joy of the earth. Restoration comes, hope of the broken world. Into my weakness, into my darkness, your spirit's moving upon my heart and you speak the words, let there be light. Into my chaos comes your promise, the new is rising, the old is passed on, you are reviving and making all things right. You are the spring. you are the morning star. Creation splendor speaks of who you are. And you are salvation, you are the joy of the earth. Restoration comes, hope of the broken world. Arise, shine. The glory of the Lord is risen. Arise, shine. You are the morning star, creation splendor speaks of who you are, you are salvation, you are the joy of the earth, restoration comes, hope of the broken world, restoration comes, hope of the broken world. To my weakness, into my darkness, your spirit's moving upon my heart and you speak the words, let there be
0: light. That was Hope of the Broken World by Cela. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith of FM and this morning we we're talking with David Maxwell on the topic of God's goodness. Before we went to the break, we asked the question, "Have you ever experienced the kind of goodness where somebody was extraordinarily generous to you We'd love to hear from you. text us in on zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one now david um, we 're looking at this topic of of god 's goodness, mm. and uh, I guess we should get into it because uh, we 're we're, we're moving on
1: <laughs> yes, yes, we always run out of time, so yeah, getting right into it might be a good thing today, so look today, thanks, Jason. So today, as we look at the topic of god 's characteristic of goodness out of these Um, the fruit of the Spirit, I suppose, because the fruit of the Spirit reflect God's character in Mm. many, many ways. I hope to show that the meaning of God's goodness as it relates to God's attribute can often be different. These attributes can often be different to what we see, what we experience around us in the world today. So first I'll pray, and then we'll get into reading this passage that we're going to look at again, but this time in a different version. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we can open your word freely today and as our listeners hear your word being read, Lord, speak to each one we ask in your name. Amen. So Galatians five nineteen to twenty six. I'm going to have you read it in the in the King James this time. A very very sound version. Uh, sometimes hard for some people to be able to read the Old English, but many people really enjoy this version. So could you read it for us, please, Jason? Uh, I will. Galatians five. Yeah, nineteen, 19 to, to twenty six.
0: Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these: adultery, fornication, uncleanness. Long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, again, against such the, uh, sorry, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another.
1: Mm, thanks, Jason. Some tough words there. Yes. A couple of words we don't see a lot today in seditions and heresies. Yeah, now, and probably this, this other one years called ago.
0: variance, which I'm, mm. you know, I'd have to put that next to another translation to actually work out what it know means. What it meant.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. hundred years ago, seditions and heresies. Yes, we would have understood them very well. Mm. Seditions, you know, working against the government, heresies working against the church. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah uh, fighting against authority. That's, that's what that's talking about. Very interesting things. So I wanted to open with an illustration today to sort of frame our, our discussion on God's goodness. Something called good, better, best. Anyone who's been in marketing would understand this, this concept. This concept of good, better, best or GBB marketing is well known for its effectiveness in retaining as many customers as possible, getting them through the door and making sure they don't leave without buying something in a particular store or a particular industry. The example that I like the best is is the automotive industry. So let's say, for example, many years ago you were going to buy a Ford Territory. Um, you, uh, when, we, when we eventually did get one, I was working for a corporation at the time. It was the first time I was able to buy a really nice new car. For me, that was pretty expensive, as I mentioned last time. Mm. So Ford Territory, wonderful to be able to do that. And you have options of buying this particular car. So there was a, TS, a TX model, a TS model, a Gear or a Gear Turbo. Um now the main differences with these versions was that the T X was only a two wheel drive. Okay, it looked like a all wheel drive, looked like an SUV, but it was only rear wheel drive. It had basic audio, basic air conditioning, you didn't have mag wheels, it was just those concave steel wheels that mm-hmm. comes from the, the the manufacturer. They weren't bad, but they didn't look you know, they didn't look very fancy. The interior was fairly plain, um, but it was the cheapest option. So if, if a family wanted to get into an SUV, this was the entry model that they could get in with. The TS had a higher-end audio, so it had a really nice quality audio inside. It had a nicer interior. You had nice 17-, 18-inch mag wheels. You had split-zone air conditioning, and it was an all-wheel drive. Um, so it was the, the middle of the range, if you like, price-wise. That was the one we ended up getting. Uh, but the, the gear was the next one up, and it was the luxury model. So it had all the TS features, plus it had heated leather seats, electric seat controls, had electric uh, rear view mirror. So it had all sorts of fancy things in there. I just thought, ah, more things that can go wrong. Mm-hmm. But it had all these premium features. And, of course, the turbo was the top model of the gear. Uh had all the gear features plus some exclusive sports-type features. So with all these features, um, all these different featured models, they could market the base model as good, a car for most families. It was still better than many other cars on the market. It was better than their current station wagon because it could go a little bit off-road. Not a, not a lot. It wasn't a real four-wheel drive, but it could go off-road a little bit. The TS, they could market as the better model, with some attractive features that you wouldn't, that you couldn't get just by adding them on. So if you bought the 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 bottom model, you could get some of the things that you get in the next model just by buying it with um, mag wheels, for example. But there was things like the all-wheel drive, the better audio, split split air con, you know, split zone air con. You couldn't get those things just by upgrading. Mm. Then you'd have the best option, which would be the gear either standard or turbo, depending on, you know, who it was marketed to. In this way, they could scale up or scale down and offer a suitable vehicle to as many people as possible and capture as many people in the market. However, even in their best year of sales for this car in 2005, the Ford Territory still only accounted for 2% of the new car sales in Australia for the year which which was pretty incredible given that, you know, it won the Car of the Year Award the year before uh, and it was the first all-wheel drive SUV in the market in Australia, made in Australia. Um, and, and, you know, it was very, very, very popular at the time as we thought. However, it seems that people generally didn't think it was a really Good car, after all, mm. <laughs> you know, because two percent of the market, you know, nearly a hundred thousand cars that were sold in Australia in that year, it only, you know, rated twenty three thousand cars that were sold. So very low, very low percentage. So when we look at you know, good, better, best, how good is God? really? Does he have these different options for people? Does he have different standards? You know, you have the good, you have the better, do you have the best? And can you, can you does God excuse some behaviors, condemn others? Um, are God's standards similar to this GBB marketing, if you like, um, different models, different options for different people? Or are God's standards very different to this? What does God's goodness really look like?
0: Yeah that's uh that's a really interesting question and I've I've never really approached it on the on the basis of uh this good better best but mm. I was thinking as you were as you were talking there that um perhaps uh that's up to us to some extent as well <laughs> can be I, I I don't want to put you off your, your discussion here but I'm thinking mm. you know good good better best maybe that's how we approach
1: god Mm, perhaps, perhaps it yeah. is. Perhaps it is. That's a good comment, uh, Jason. The word goodness in the Greek, um, specifically used here in Galatians, is translated only four times in the New Testament. Uh, th- this, this word is only used four times in the New Testament. In the Greek, I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. Uh, I think it's ag. No, I'm not going to bother. It, it just simply means goodness, kindness, or generosity. So in in the inference in these verse the verses is that God's this goodness comes from God firstly, and it can be understood as liberal generosity, an active word, liberal generosity. So it's not just, hey, I'm good because I'm shining. It's good because there's some reason that I'm good. This mm. is what it's saying about God. Mm.
0: So um, again, we've been uh, covering this in past sessions as well past episodes that the way god uh delivers these gifts is not always the same way that we
1: see them or observe them around us so yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. we'll look at some examples after the break anyway yeah awesome well we're going to go
0: to a break Um, just to mention our free book offer today it's called Life is Good the best is yet to come we'll give you more information about that we've got five copies of that book to give away so tune in later in the program to get the code for that book but right now this is The Goodness of God it's one of my favourite songs uh, and this is by Meredith James
3: Fails me all my days. I've been held in Your hands from the moment that I wake up till I lay my head. I will sing of the goodness of God. Your voice You have led me through the fire Darkest nights You are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend I have lived In the goodness of God of the goodness of God All my life you have been
4: faithful
3: All my life you have been so, so good With every breath We'll sing of the goodness of God. He's running!
0: beautiful song, Goodness of God by Meredith
1: James. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.
0: You're listening to Tessie Encounters on Faith FM and we're speaking today with David Maxwell on his series, Reflecting Jesus. We've been talking about the topic of goodness and... uh, before the break, we did ask a question: Have you ever experienced the kind of goodness where somebody was extraordinarily generous to you? We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear a situation, an example where somebody has been good to you, generous to you. So uh, please text us in on zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. We'd love to hear from you. Now, uh, David, before the break, we were looking at the uh, God's goodness and. And how it 's evidenced in liberal generosity, can you uh, unpack that a bit more?
1: yeah, absolutely. No worries, Jason. So before the break, I was explaining how different god 's goodness is from the type of goodness we see around us mostly, and and we do get some examples of that that goodness that, uh, that, that flows through from what God gives us, of course. One example I'd like to use as the goodness we see around us is a, a quote that Benjamin Franklin made, and he, it's one you'll remember, you'll you'll recognise it. It says, "The bit, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten." Mm. And if you've ever bought anything cheaply and lived to regret it, you'll know how true that statement is. It's
0: like that statement cheap and nasty.
1: (laughs) Yes, you get what you pay for. You know, all of those those statements that Mm. we've experienced. Now often but not always, something that comes at a high price is often thought of as being good quality, which is why people buy, you know, brand names. Um it's why a Gucci handbag is worth many hundreds of dollars even in a second hand shop. And why a barley knockoff seems like such a bargain, mm. however, your barley one will probably wear out in a few months, and your Gucci one will most likely still be going strong in a number of years, uh, probably ten years you know you'll pick it up in a second hand shop and it might be still a good price, but yeah, it'll probably be more expensive than a lot of the others mm. so is god 's goodness a gucci or a barley knockoff <laughs> Well, what does it cost? What does it cost? What does God's goodness cost? Remember before the break, I mentioned that God's goodness is evidenced by its liberal generosity. Mm. What I meant by that was that you can tell how genuine his goodness is when you understand how much it cost to him, how much it cost to him to show it to us. So there is a cost involved in God's goodness. The beauty of it is we might not see that cost. But it's there, and I'd like to read some verses for you today that actually show us what this cost is to God, how much this gift of goodness is. So I'm going to start in Philippians chapter two, five to eight, and it's talking about what Jesus did, uh, what it took for him to condescend to come down here and die for us. It says "Let this mind. I'm going to read from new King james for for me, it's easier. even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of earth and of those under the earth. And I probably read past what I wanted to read there, but it really shows me when I consider consider the cost to God, For what it was for Jesus to come down here on earth. I don't know if you've ever considered deeply what it must have cost for Jesus, who was God in a perfect place of heaven, to even come down here and become a human. Mm. That that's you know we've got to stop and think about that.
0: Yeah. To 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 I I was actually talking about this to a group of men last night where, you know, before Jesus became human, I Mm. guess it's hard to imagine exactly what he was like, but he had to give up whatever it was that he was like, and he Mm. became human for eternity.
1: Finite. Yeah. You know. Well, finite as far as we're concerned. Yeah.
0: Like in in human form.
1: In form, yeah, yeah, we'll touch on that in a moment uh, a little bit more. But <clears throat> not just a human form. Now, we, we are just thinking, you know, we look around the world and we think, you know, it's not a bad place, sun shining, beautiful day. Even the brightest day must have seemed dark to Jesus mm. because he came from a place of perfection and beauty to a place of sin and suffering. And it must appear so dark down here. And so he did this for 30-something years and then not only come as a human, but come as the lowest form of human at the time, which was a servant. That was a low form of humanity, to be to come in a form that would be serving others. He was obedient to the Father. He took the whole world's sin. What was it cost? What did it cost to him to take the whole world's sin as his own if we read i haven't got time to look all these up but if you look at second corinthians 5:21 it says that god made him who knew no sin to be sin for us not just to take it but to be sin and we see this uh, as an example. Jesus, in in John three um, fourteen, talking to Nicodemus, he says, "Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That snake on a pole representing sin was to represent what Jesus was to become. Sin for us, He took our sin, as if it was His own. A perfect being, a perfect human." took your sin and took my sin as if he was the one who did it. And then together with the guilt of that sin, he writhed in agony on a harsh wooden Roman cross for hours, naked and constantly mocked. The pictures we have are sterile of Jesus on the cross. He's always covered. He wasn't Mm -hmm. covered. Mm. It says he was naked. Um, And he was mocked by the very ones he was dying for. Um, he was impacted by this sacrifice, just like you said before, uh, Jason, for all eternity. We see in his resurrected body, there's residual marks of his sacrifice. Mm. We see it in Matthew, we see it in John. If you were to go to John and read it, you would see that uh, Thomas gets to see the marks of the nail prints in his hands and in his feet and in his side. They are still there in his perfected, resurrected body. That tells me that they are going to be there for a long, long, long time. Hmm. He, d- he did that for us. And on top of all of this, there was the possibility that Jesus could have failed. Now, uh, this is too terrible to even think about. God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit make up the Godhead. What would have it meant had Jesus came and failed in his mission? We don't really want to go there and think about what that would have meant because he didn't fail. But I shudder to think of the risk that he went to for each one of that. How good was that? How good was all that he suffered that I might live? That's the evidence. That's the evidence. You know, he gave such a costly gift that I can't but see that he must love me. You know, I, I think about anniversary gifts. Each year when we have our anniversary, I, I put a lot of time in to make sure I surprise Mary in some special way with a special gift. I save up for it. I take her away. Um, I dedicate time just to her and no one else and do something to make it memorable. And it's the reason why there are those, you know, 5, 10, 25, 50, 60 year anniversary gifts, and they're always expensive, you know, gold, silver, silver, pearl, all those things. But they show the receiver that they're valued, and they know that by that, the person who's giving them the gift is good. The same is true for the gift that God gave us, Jesus. The cost that God outlaid for this gift was to put his very existence on the line so that you and I could have the opportunity to live life again forever with him. Now, that is evidence of a good God.
0: Mm. Absolutely. It's uh, everything that uh, Jesus went through was a demonstration of God's uh, love for us, his His liberal mm. generosity mm. towards mm. us. Um, we need to give uh, a bit more information about our book offer today. It's titled Life is Good, the Best is Yet to Come by William Johnson. We've got five copies to give away. And, uh, you know, whether you believe this life has purpose or is utterly meaningless, you have faith in one or the other. Naturally, faith isn't based on anything proven, but rests on some kind of evidence. And over the centuries, there has been a gradual loss of faith in a divine being. Men used to build cathedrals, and the author, the author observes, now they build sports stadiums. Mm. What evidence have they and we been following? Well... There's uh, there's more in this book. I encourage you to get it. The best is yet to come. After the break, we'll give you the code. But right now, we've got uh, I'm in good hands.
5: Says, Don't be afraid When the world around me changes Like the shifting sands His word still stands I'm in good hands When the nights are long He sees me through When it hurts he says I've been there Too. I like to think that I don't worry, but I sometimes do. Though he never fails to see me through. I know I'm in good hands when the night. And they could see He made the
0: was i'm in good hands by mark bishop and you're listening to tassie encounters on faith fm and today we're finishing up our program with david maxwell on the topic of goodness before the break, I promised the code for our free book giveaway today. We've got five copies to give away. So the first five in with this uh, code, will be able to claim a free copy of this book. Life is good. The best is yet to come. So the code for today is reflect number six, reflect six, text that in to 488 880 Now, before the break, David, we were talking about the liberal demonstration of uh, God's love towards us, his generosity through, I guess, the sacrifice of his son on the cross, Mm. which uh, ultimately was free for us, but it wasn't free for him. There was a a great cost to pay. But Mm. uh, how how would you like to uh, sort of wrap this up today and uh, put, put the closing touches on this discussion?
1: Yeah, thanks, Jason. Hopefully I can put the icing on the cake, as it were. Before the break, I was sharing a demonstration of God's goodness to us in the way that was clear, uh, that we can see this depth and genuineness of his love for mankind. Um, but you have to ask the question, so what? What's the difference for me and you? What What difference does it make that God is this good? Well, let's read some verses, just the, some of these applications of the word goodness uh, in the Bible and then let's see what it has to say. So the first one I want to read is Romans 15, 14 and perhaps I I might, um, I'm just looking at time, perhaps I'll just read this particular verse. I would suggest that you read around these verses as well. So maybe I'll read 13 and 14 for for, uh, context. Now may the the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit now I myself am confident concerning you my brethren that you also are full of goodness filled with all knowledge able also to admonish one another remember we said the goodness was not just something that's oh great I've got the good in me but it was some evidence that showed that goodness was present Mm. Here, Paul, is, uh, Paul it's Paul's hope and prayer that the believers in Rome will be filled with the joy, peace, hope, goodness and knowledge. All of these, as we've started looking at, are a result of the Holy Spirit's infilling. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And it's not just for selfish reasons, but it's so that the gospel goes to the Gentiles. They will be generous to them and accept and include them into the fellowship and the church mission. Um, this is very, very important when you think that I'm not just getting God's goodness in my heart for me. God's goodness was that he sacrificed all those things and died for us. So that goodness has got to have an effect on me, and that effect on me is that I want to do the same for others. I want to you know, put my own desires and needs behind, and I want to do what God wants me to do to reach out and touch other people. Uh, The next one I want to share is in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 9. So Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 9, and it says here, I'm reading again from the New King James, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness and truth. When you think about that, this is like a summary, this is like a summary of the fruit of the Spirit mentioned here again in Ephesians but we've read it before in Galatians. So Paul encourages the Ephesian Christians to be like God, especially in goodness, righteousness, and truth. So this is coming directly as evidence of the indwelling Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, if you like. Mm. Last one, 2 Thessalonians. Let's go back to 2 Thessalonians. Um, 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse, where are we? Verse eleven, uh, I think, on the 11. notes here I've got. Yep, I'm not sure why I didn't mark this one, so I apologize for the turning pages. All right. First Second uh, Thessalonians chapter one and verse eleven. And it says, Therefore we also we pray also for you that our God would count you as worthy uh, for of his calling, and fulfill all the good pleasure of all his goodness and the work of faith. With power, so Paul encourages the Thessalonians here for their patient endurance in the face of sufferings and this this is a trait of the Holy Spirit which we looked at a couple of weeks ago, um, clearly being evident because of his presence you know that long suffering you know it 's easy to be good and generous when things are going well, but what about when they aren 't you know are we reflecting are we continuing to reflect God in our lives if not what 's missing what 's missing perhaps it's the most expensive and effective gift God can give us, and that's the Holy Spirit. And, and I wonder about that, you know, how can a holy God through the Holy Spirit bear to live within a sinful person? Um, that's, that's something to think about. I don't have an answer for that, but it's wonderful that he's willing to do it. Let me read a poem, a short poem before we finish. Is anybody happier? It's entitled, Is anybody happier? Because you passed this way. Does anyone remember that you spoke to him today? This day is almost over and its toiling time is through. Is there anyone to utter now a friendly word for you? Can you say tonight in passing, with the days that slip so fast, that you helped a single person of the many that you passed? Is a single heart rejoicing over what you did or said does one of those whose hopes are fading now take courage, now with courage look ahead? Did you waste the day or lose it? Was it well or poorly spent? Did you leave a trail of kindness or a scar of discontent? Something to think about. It's a very deep poem, I feel. Mm. And the Old Testament equivalent to this Greek concept of kindness and goodness is the word hesed, and it means faithfulness, goodness, kindness, or godly action. It, too, is an active word. I don't have time to read the verse I had here, but there's an Old Testament example in 2 Samuel where David uh, shows he shows goodness to this crippled descendant of Saul, a Mehibosheth. Now, usually... Uh, a king, when it came, when he came in, would destroy all of the descendants, so there wouldn't be a, a usurper to the throne, if you like. But here, because he loved uh, Jonathan, uh, which was uh, Saul's uh, son, he showed kindness to this cripple, um, and that shows a little of God's character displayed uh, in in David's life. So my question is, do you see any of the wicked traits that we read earlier, that you read, Jason? Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, those sorts of things. And I think if we're really honest, we'll all see some of those in our lives. But as we walk in the Spirit, we will overcome those things through His power. Remember the opening illustration, good, better, best? Well, I tell you, there's no grading of God's goodness to mankind. He doesn't give preferential treatment to you and not to me, but rather his generosity, his liberal generosity shown to all of us through sending Jesus is truly good for all. God's kindness, goodness, which come from his love, counteract all those sinful traits that we talked about earlier. So I recommend, I recommend to you all today to take a hold of God's goodness through this gift of Jesus' sacrifice in your place and his Holy Spirit, and that will help to transform us and then allow that goodness to flow out of our lives to others.
0: That's a real challenge to us, David, and uh, we need to think about that, I guess, as we go through our day. Um, What have you got for us next week, David?
1: Next week we're going to look at faithfulness, faithfulness as it pertains to God's faithfulness, and does that reflect what we do? Okay.
0: Now, uh, tomorrow we're going to be hearing from a special guest, Rick Hergenen, and he's going to be talking about his journey to Tasmania. Now, Rick is new to us. We haven't heard him before, so do tune in tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. to hear that. Um, also, reminder about the Couples Enrichment Program on Sunday. You can text in enrich tas to 488 to get all the details. Now, uh, while we've been talking, David, we've had two people share some very significant stories about Mm. uh, how people have helped them in their life and have been extremely generous and good to them. Mm. We don't have time to share those. They're they're quite long stories, but we will Mm. uh, look at those and we will include them in our next program next week. So that would be great. Thank you for sharing. We appreciate it. And we will share those uh, in our coming program. Um, just remember our free uh, book offer today, Life is Good, and the code to get that is REFLECT number 6. Text that in to 488 891 We would love to be able to get that copy out to you. That's all for today, and uh, we hope that wherever you are, that you have a great day and that God is with you. This is Better Than a Hallelujah by Sarah Hart. Thanks Jason. Thanks David. See you.